the Bible called John, 3 John. It's actually really small. It's only one chapter, and it just says if you're there on your own Bible or your own phone, you can look it up. But here it is, 3 John chapter 1, 1 to 3. And it just uh, says this. Uh, It's in the New King James Version that we're going to read it. And it says, the elder uh, to the beloved Garius, whom I love in truth. Uh, beloved, I know there's a little bit of old English here, but it's cool. I just thought it was appropriate, this version. I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul, what? Prospers. Verse 3, pray, rejoice greatly when brethren come and testify of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Um, I just want to give focus to verse 2 particularly. It says, I, John's speaking, John is writing to this guy called Garius. You probably have never really given much attention to this man, Garius, but he pops up in the New Testament another three times, um, and he's quite a well-known character. In actual fact, they say that Garius was quite a popular name in New Testament times. Um, you'd think it would be James or John or Peter, but you know, it's Garius apparently was even more popular. But here he pops up, and John says, you know what, Garius, I just love the way that you love truth, and I and I respect and appreciate you. Garius was actually a good friend of Paul as well. So here he, and, and, and obviously, um, because of his attitude, he, had, he, he embraced truth. He, he was a good man on the internal part of him, was whole and healthy. And, and John says to him, you know what? Just like inside you is prospering, you've got a great attitude, a great way of living life. You know, possibly Garius's health or other parts of his life weren't doing so well. And, and John says, you know, I want that to prosper as much as you prosper on the inside of you. I want you to prosper the outside. It just shows you what happens on the inside of us um, is so important because what happens in here sometimes is reflected on the outside of us, isn't it? I'm not saying every health problem is because of a soul problem, but it can be that way. And our soul... Is everything, as you know, it's, it's our mind, our emotions, our thinking, it's our attitudes. It's that part of us. And, and John says, I, I, just as your soul prospers, John, just, I want, I, I'm grateful because your soul prospers. I was, I was uh, last year I was sitting in a meeting. It was a breakfast um, one morning with a whole bunch. Of, it was a business kind of breakfast. And I was sitting at a round table. And I was sitting next to a, a younger man than myself and and uh, I started to make conversation with him, but I was, it, it was just, I was like, uh, it was, I was doing it tough trying to converse with him. And, and he, he seemed like a nice young man, but um, the more I asked questions, the less he wanted to converse with me. And I thought, I'm not smelling that bad this morning. I'm not quite sure what the problem is. I, I think, is, is it my breath? I didn't do that. But you know, you think all these things, what's wrong here? And eventually, before even the breakfast was served, he got up out of his seat and he left. And I thought, oh, he must be going to the toilet. He never came back. And there was another guy on the other side of him who I knew, his name was Russell, and he said, hey, don't worry about, don't worry about what just happened there. I said, oh, why? He says, hey, he's, he's, been, he's had a pretty tough life. He's gone through some pretty bad things. So when anybody wants to converse with him, he really finds it difficult to be in social 
um, um, groups and just talk to people about life. He just so I said, "Hey, that's fine. That's fine, Russell. I understand, mate. I'm not hassled about that. I just wanted to, you know, converse with him, encourage him, whatever." And you know, I, you know, what happens when when Russell really said he, he's had a hard life? What he was really saying is his his soul has just been marred. His his heart has been scarred. There's probably some elements of uh, obviously dysfunction and things that have happened. And, and, and you know what? This morning, all of us can face times when our heart just can be scarred or marred or just hurt. Or, 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 and, and, you know, it's not an easy time, but it's that part of us, it's that inner person that, you know, we need to guard. Because, you know, as we know, uh, the Bible says as a person thinks in their heart, so are they. And so we need to have the heart realm, the soulish realm going well. Would you agree? Because as you are healthy here, often what comes out of your mouth and what you display and reflect can be health as well. And God wants us to live a blessed life, a blessed life. And it all starts not with what we've got, not with our material possessions and not the clothes we wear or the makeup we put on or the, or the, you know, the muscles we have. It all starts with, with what happens in here, what happens in here. Um, David actually says in that famous Psalm 23, he says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me, he lies me, he makes me lie down beside st- uh, still waters in green pastures and still waters, leads me beside still waters. And then in verse 3 of Psalm 23, he says this, David says this, he restores my soul. I mean, David was the king of, the greatest king of Israel, and yet David declares, you know what, God, I need you to restore my soul. And if you look at his life story, you'll understand that why David said that, because of the incredible dysfunction in his own family. His father-in-law wanted him dead. Talk about in-laws. <laughs> that man had the worst. Um, uh, you know, uh, Steve, I haven't done that yet. I'm a good father-in-law, aren't I? <laughs> but the reality is, is that some people's soul can be scarred. And I wanna, I've got good news for you this morning. Just as David declared it, just as David knew it, just as um, Garius knew that his soul could bring health, he could have health, we can as well because our God is in the restoring business, isn't he? He's in the business of not just dealing, he, he, he really doesn't mind about you outside. We get, as I said last week, we get cuts and bruises and all this stuff, but what happens when the cuts and bruises are on the inside? That's the thing that God wants to restore and strengthen. So you know why? So you can be healthy, that you can actually then be, have relationships that would be healthy, so that you can then have relationships that are not only healthy, but you influence other people for good, that you can be that dad you need to be to your children, that mother. You can be that friend that you need to be. You can be that husband, that wife, or whatever it needs. God just wants health in here so that we can have health out here and just live life uh, to the full, because he wants us to have a blessed life. I am assured and it it all starts with what's in here. Some people think I'm going to live a blessed. I live a blessed life because I've got three car garage, two, three, you know, three uh, bathrooms in the house. It doesn't start with that. It starts with what happens in here. Hey, so I want to share a little start a series on the blessed life. And in starting this series this morning, I want to just turn uh, to another psalm, a Psalm 100, and we'll park there and we'll dive off into some things and thoughts from Psalm 100 from the Old Testament. So Psalm 100 says this, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence of singing. Know the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. 
We are his people and the sheep of his pastures. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be what? Thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Wow. We don't even know who wrote this one. But they wrote it. It was part of the Israel hymn book. It was, the top, it was in the top ten for a long time. This, this, and we've written a lot of songs from that over the centuries. People have written many their own choruses from that psalm. That's what a psalm is. It's a song. So whoever wrote it, there's a powerful thoughts in here. Because um, this psalm, the, the spirit of this psalm says every day can be a thanksgiving day. That's what it's saying. The spirit is every day can be a Thanksgiving day. If there's one thing that provides an incredible, powerful antidote to all what the world throws at us, and all that the world wants to stick, make sticks to us, and all the world wants to harm us with, and all that the world wants to, uh, to, to um, uh, probably cripple our hearts, the greatest antidote, one of the greatest antidotes is a thankful heart. A thankful heart. Not just a throwaway line where you say, oh, thanks, 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 you know, no, but from the heart, just being thankful about life. Just being, saying it. Um, Andrew this morning was praying a, saying, praying a prayer. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. For just the fact that I have salvation. You know, that's a powerful confession. Thankfulness is a powerful confession. And if there's one thing that it does, I want to show you this morning, it creates a wonderful abundance of health within our soul. Wonderful. Let me talk about it this morning. Um, uh, one of the most powerful, underrated phrases with just two syllables, thank you, is powerful. Now, I know that you all know, oh, yes, we've got to be thankful. Got to be thankful. But let's just drill down for a moment and just consider the realities and let's just take apart just thought of what thankfulness means from the original Old Testament Hebrew here. Um, and, you know, the word thankful is a Hebrew word. It means yada, Y-A-D-A-H, yada. Yada. And the word yada could be translated into three other words that, that, uh, that is connected to thankfulness. It means to acknowledge, it means to confess, and it means to give. So let's just look at them for a second and let's just drill down. Thankfulness, first of all, is to acknowledge. Thankfulness to acknowledge. Do you know yada means to acknowledge the de and declare the merits of someone else, especially using the outstretched hand. It's a physical application of a heartfelt desire. It is a physical demonstration of what's in your heart. Do you know sometimes that we'll say to a person, thank you, and we'll shake their hand. Do you know that's yada? That's what the Hebrew is talking about, yada. Do you know in church sometimes we'll lift our hands for many different reasons, uh, maybe to surrender to God, maybe to just uh, to acknowledge Him. But you know, sometimes, why don't you, when you lift your hand, physically realize that that can be, if there's a thankfulness in your heart, it's what the psalmist is saying here in Psalm 100, giving thanks. Yada, you're saying, hey, I lift my hand as a physical demonstration of a heartfelt desire to say thank you. Do you know, the other day I was uh, driving and, and someone let me into the queue you know, they let you in the traffic. You know what my natural response was? Couldn't, couldn't speak anything because they couldn't hear me. But, you know, what's this say? You know, across an oval or across a field, you see someone 
And it, and it might be just to say hello, but if you know that there's something they've done for you, and, this, and you just, you know, it's all good, thanks. See, can you see the application? Um, it's an important and powerful thing, and we lift our hands to God and we say, thank you. We extend our heart when we extend our hand. And it does as well. Um, it says in this, um, it says here, it says, into his gates with thanksgiving, doesn't it? Into his gates with thanksgiving. What gates are he's talking about? Well, he's literally talking about the, the tabernacle. The tabernacle uh, was in Jerusalem. It was their church. It was the Jewish church. And uh, this was a whole new, new wonderful thing for the Jewish people because they'd trotted around the desert for 40 years with a makeshift tabernacle. Now they've got a solid brick and wonderful uh, tabernacle built in Jerusalem. And so they'd come into the gates. There's an outer court around this tabernacle. Uh, we haven't really got one. We haven't got a fence, but it would be equivalent of coming into the front gate of a property. And as they come into that, uh, they would give thanks. They, would perp- they knew what it was, what they had to do. They had to give thanks. And it's interesting because the furniture in this outer court was an altar of sacrifice. And so here in the, on the altar, they would sacrifice animals. The priests would sacrifice animals. And you know what the people would be doing when they allowed the animal to be sacrificed on their behalf? They would be giving thanks for what God has done. They would be giving thanks that God is a good God. They would be giving thanks for all his blessings. They would be giving thanks to God in that altar of sacrifice and saying, God, we thank you that we have life. We thank you that you've blessed our ancestors. We thank you that you brought us out of the desert, that you brought us through the Red Sea and you blah, blah, all these things. And that would be that point. Now, as they moved on through the furniture of the outer court, they'd come to this big basin of water, and that's where the priest would then wash his hands. He had a lot of blood on them. He'd wash his hands, and, he'd, uh, and uh, his hands would be clean, and that's where he would confess the sins of the people uh, for the people who had put the sacrifice on the altar. And so we see the um, process is important. We see the order is important because uh, the, they first give thanks, and then they confess sin. I want to say, your life needs to be exactly the same because I find that sometimes that what we need to do is we need to come to God and first of all we need to say God I thank you because if we start with maybe just confession uh, that confession can turn into condemnation or I've done this wrong God and I've done this wrong God and I've done this wrong God why don't you start with thanks because when we give thanks to God for his mercies and give thanks to God for his goodness and give thanks to God for his love we get a better perspective on our sins so that we can confess it correctly and not live in condemnation but live in the joy that he has forgiven me it's past and I can walk on because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus I would encourage you in your personal times of just talking to God why don't you just start with thanksgiving sometimes I know that we rush to God and we say God this sin and this sin and this sin why don't you just hold that back for a moment and just say God I just give you thanks Because as we look up, we get a better perspective of what we've done wrong in the right context. Of course, we have to confess. Of course, we need to repent. But confession of thanksgiving so much puts a better light on how we move forward. Because, you know, in condemnation, you never fulfill purpose in your life. But when you dealt with sin, you know you're forgiven, you know God is good, you can move on in great purpose and health. But if you continue living in here in your soul with, I'm just a failure, I've just blown it too much, 
I've done one too many things too wrong. No, it never gives you health within yourself. But thanksgiving brings a balanced understanding that your God is incredible and he, has, he wants to forgive you as much as you need to confess it. Thanksgiving is powerful. So when we enter the gates, the gates of uh, this court and this tabernacle, um, what is happening, you're predetermining, because you know the truth is, the way you enter something is the what you'll find inside will determine what you find inside. Oh, thank you very much. The way you enter something will determine what you find inside. Isn't that true sometimes? The way you get up in the morning will determine how the day unfolds sometimes. If you enter up, if you get up grumpy, you know what? You're predetermining sometimes how you're going to see the rest of the day. Grumpy. You ever been there? Yeah. So the way you enter is sometimes what you find inside. It's like the first and next principle. You know, what you put first determines what comes next. And if you don't like what's coming next... Change what's coming first. I'll get this drummed into us yet. And it's the same with this principle. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Enter. Enter the day with thanksgiving. Because when, when, you, when you do, you find so much more to be thankful for. And it changes the condition of your soul. It actually gives a, a different attitude in how you see it. Hey, you know what? I reckon young people, if you actually started to thank your mum and dad for some things... After they get up off the floor, out of amazement, they'll say, what's happened in your life? And you know what? They may even start to trust you more and start to release you more. Anyway, that's another, that's another message. I think, I think as parents, if we started to thank our kids and stop seeing all the negative about them and say, hey, thank you for picking up that one item out of the thousand on the floor of your room. Thank you for doing that one. Let me encourage you to do more. You know, but have a different, just a thankfulness builds relationship and thus builds wholesomeness and health within our soul. See, how you enter something, it, is how it predetermines how you're going to face, how you're going to, uh, what you'll find inside your day. I was uh, in India three years ago and I had the privilege of meeting with our missionaries that we support there, and just a wonderful time. And I, I flew into Mumbai, and I was picked up by some Christian Indian brothers, and uh, they drove, we drove for seven hours out into the, uh, out into the villages and out into the, um, uh, India itself, in the, in the whole state, the state of Gujarat. And um, as we drove along for those seven hours, besides having a little rest and a sleep, I, uh, I noticed that the landscape was particularly arid and some places in India are very green but some places are arid and parts of Gujarat are quite arid and, and the trees they have a, a, a monsoon season and they have a very extended long dry season and all the trees were just like sticks you know no leaves I noted no leaves on the trees and so we finally get to the destination the next day I get up and we're going to a village to minister um, and we're driving along this lovely um, you know, road, a little country road, bitumen road, and I noticed there was trees on the side of the road. I kind of didn't take a lot of notice, but they had leaves on them, and I thought, oh, you know, I didn't give much notice to it. Later that afternoon, we're driving back, and I suddenly realized what these trees on the side of the road were. They were Australian gum trees. In India, apparently... People have planted Australian gum trees all over the world because you know why? They're incredibly resistant to drought. Have, uh, and when you come to think of it, um, gum trees always have green leaves on them, don't they? 
always have green leaves. And here in India, amongst all this dryness, are these incredible gum trees on the side of the road. I half expected to see a koala bear. I tell you, it, it amazed me. I never, never realized until I'd gone that all these gum trees, and they're evergreen. They're, the leaves are green. And, and um, I talked to the Indian pastor. He said, yeah, they planted them decades ago. It's because they're drought resistant, because they'll handle anything. They'll always reflect something. And you know what? The Australian gum tree has a predetermined attitude within its DNA, within its bark. And it says, I'm always going to have leaves. It has to get extremely dry for me ever to drop them or die. And I want to say, why don't you predetermine your attitude about how you're going to live life? Because in the hardest seasons, you can still shine and you can still give thanks. And I tell you, it does something within your soul. It does something within your soul. Amen. The, it's powerful. Here's the second thing. Thankfulness, the word yada of thankfulness not only means to acknowledge, it means something else. It means to actually have a great confession, to confess. Thanksgiving is a confession from our mouth about something we appreciate. Uh, it's a good confession, a positive confession, and I believe it's a necessary confession. When you think about it, uh, it says in Romans 10.10, 10, this, in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 10, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth one confession is made unto salvation. So even when we come to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a confession that happens. And you know what? This confession, the, the, the word confess in the Greek means a binding public declaration by which a legal contract is established. Far out, that sounds heavy. A binding public. You know when you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know what God does? He signs in heaven the book of life, your name, in Jesus' blood. He signs your name and says it's a binding legal commitment that you've made. I'm now acknowledging you as a child of God. Man, you're in. I acknowledge you when you confess me, my son is Lord and Savior of your life. I tell you, God takes it seriously. God considers it very important. It's a confession. So the word thanksgiving, Hebrew yada, means to confess. It means what we're confessing is powerful. Thanksgiving is a powerful confession. It's a powerful confession. So powerful um, the fact is that when you speak thanksgiving, you know, you can, you're communicating if it's towards God. You're, you're putting this wonderful document in place and he's signing and saying, hey, you're binding yourself. When you give thanks, you're connecting yourself to the incredible creator of the universe, God. I reckon that's good because it says he can dwell within us. Thanksgiving allows that to happen dwelling with us you know when we just say thanks to other people sometimes if I said to Michelle and um, probably don't do it as often as I should if I say to her Michelle that meal was incredible thank you you know what it does it binds me to her heart our hearts are get connected you know in in the most wonderful way when you say thanks to people people warm to you Have you ever wondered why it's because you say thank you there's a connection happening there's, a, there's something of an agreement, you know, and when it's a sincere thank you, um, there's something that, you know, um, that's just powerful in the confession of thanksgiving. Thank you. Such a powerful confession. And when we confess to God, when we give him thanks, it, his heart goes, you know, it's like, a, it's like a red light to God. He says, oh, I see that. 
because we're probably all in church here and it's like all these red lights going off this morning where people are just going things and God says, yeah, I can see you. I'm connecting. I'm connected to you. You're connected to me. Thanksgiving connects us in a powerful legal binding agreement we have here this morning in Thanksgiving and of course in praise and all that. And God says, man, I'm on your case because if you're like that towards me, I am there. You know, the truth is we sometimes pray, God, draw near to me. No, 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 no. We draw near to God and he'll draw near to us, the Bible says. Give him thanks and he'll be there. Because why doesn't God come first to us? Because the reality is he wants to know our heart is towards him first. Sometimes we say, oh God, just, God, just draw near to me, God. No, 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 you draw near to him and he'll be right there drawing near to you. So it's a conf- powerful confession. Here's the third thing and we'll finish with this one this morning. Thanksgiving is to actually give. Do you notice Throughout the Bible, the word thanksgiving is mentioned many times. In Ephesians 5.20, it just says, Give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Please note it says, Give thanks. Give thanks. If we don't have a heart to give, I think we're going to have, find it difficult to be a thankful person. Because <laughs> thankfulness starts with giving. You've got to give it away. Sometimes we find it difficult to give people compliments. To give thanks. You know why? Because sometimes no one's given us anything. Growing up in families, when you were never given thanks for what you did. You'd be kicked in the pants for what you did, but you would never have told, hey, you've done a great job or given thanks. And that's a sad situation, isn't it? I want, you know what? God wants to turn that around. He wants that not to happen in your life anymore because he wants you to be the instigator of just having a thankful heart. You may never have received it, but you've got to give it. So don't let not receiving stop you from giving. Thankfulness is, a, is always um, distributed through giving and not taking. And we have a responsibility to open our mouths. You've got to open your mouth. You just, sometimes we think it, but we never say it. You've got to say it, folks. Isn't that true? Just don't think it, actually say it. And sometimes you think, oh, I must, I must thank so-and-so for what they did the other day. We never get around to it. Why don't you make it a priority? priority in your life and say, I've got to do that. We've got to follow through with what we think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Uh, why don't you follow through with those? So we see power, how powerful the reality is of a confession. Confession is powerful. Now, um, also, we're talking about giving, aren't we? Sorry, just flip back too far. There's another scripture in the Bible that says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. It says, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Some people say, oh, I wonder what God's will is for my life. Do you know what? Often we're thinking of, oh, I just want to know, God, um, I want to know your will. Who should I marry? Where should I go? What should I do? What job I get? What cornflakes should I eat or should I have muesli? That's ridiculous. But you know, what's your will? I want to tell you what God's will is for you this morning. Give thanks. Because when you give thanks, you start to take on his character and you'll naturally walk in his purposes and will for your life. Sometimes we want concrete answers. We want neon signs in the sky. God, what's your will? No, folks, just, just give him thanks. Just start to change the inside of your heart. It says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, um, it, um, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know God's good and perfect will. Transform your heart and your soul and you'll know God's perfect will. Sometimes we say, but I just want concrete answers. Well, hey, why don't you just let something happen in here and you'll naturally walk in his will because you want to walk when you've got a heart after God. Make sense? 
So, so it just talks about we always want God's will, or we, it's, you know what it starts with? You know, it's very difficult um, to know direction in your life if you're in the midst of a negative or grumbling attitude. It's always difficult to know God's direction for your life. You make emotional decisions in the midst of a, you know, a negative or grumbling heart. You make bad decisions and you've got to you know, settle down and just, oh, just wait a sec. Let's just spend some time just in giving God praise or worship or thanksgiving or whatever. But it's so much better when you've got the peace of God. His peace falls on you and then you can make a better informed decision, can't you? So it all starts with what comes out of our heart and out of our mouth. It's very difficult to find God's will in the midst of a heart that's ungrateful. Um, it says here in the scripture, in everything give thanks. Let me just address that for a moment because it's been debated over the years. In everything, what does God really mean? In everything give thanks. Everything? Really, God? How can I do that? How, how, how do you give thanks in everything? Because not everything is nice. Is that true? Not everything's good. Not everything's comfortable. Not everything's, you know, to suit our agenda. Uh, give thanks in everything. But, you know, there's another scripture that says in Ephesians 5.20, in everything... Uh, giving things always for all things to God the Father. If we weren't quite sure of it, you know, Paul says giving things always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if you look at the word all things, it literally means all manner of things. All manner of things. And that's a little bit different to all things. Let me explain maybe this thought, all manner of things. Because not all things are nice what's happened to you, but... I believe you can give men, you can give things in all manner of things. Last um, last Saturday, I fell off my bike. We're not really want to go there, but I just want to illustrate a point. I fell off my bike. I was not excited about falling off my bike. Who's ever been excited about bike accidents? No one's excited about bike accidents. They don't. They hurt. Um, but what transpired afterwards, I'm thankful for. Okay. Um, so. I had, and what was I thankful for? I was thankful that the guy stuck around. There were some good friends stuck around until I was, you know, had received help. I think I could be thankful for that. They could have just said, ah, oh, fall off, see you later. <laughs> I just lay on the side. Uh, they were the good Samaritan. They stuck around until I received help. Um, uh, another thing I was thankful for last weekend, I didn't destroy the bike, which wasn't mine. <laughs> I was, I'm thankful. Pastor Malcolm still has a push bike. It's just got a scratch or two, but it's okay. He informed me that some of them was from him. I understand that. Uh, I am thankful that I only cut my finger to the tendon and not through the tendon. Amen. Amen? Well, I wouldn't better do this. It's still got three stitches in there, but they're coming out, and the finger's feeling great. I can feel the end. That's good. That's a good day, isn't it? Be thankful. I was thankful for that. I was thankful that even though I had to go to the emergency at the Gladstone Hospital, I was still able to get back in time to finish and celebrate with all the team our victory. And you know, there was those things I was thankful for. And here's the truth. When you start to give thanks in the midst of the struggle, it helps you to turn away from the issue and see the good. It refreshes your heart. It refocuses your heart. You start to have peace and joy in the midst of what is it feeling good, which doesn't feel comfortable. And I tell you what, that leads to a blessed life. A blessed life. 
Jesus, in John chapter 11, verse 41, as the musicians come, he was in a situation where some good friends of his called Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, who were brothers and sisters, were a very grieving moment when Lazarus was very sick. They called Jesus. Jesus didn't make it for four days, so Lazarus dies. They put it in the tomb. Jesus finally turns up, and they're saying, Jesus, if you'd been here, you could have healed him from the sick, and Jesus says, hey, didn't you, don't you know that, hey, this is going to all turn out for good, basically, he said. <laughs> and speaking to Mary and Martha, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. And he goes to the tomb and he says, take the stone away. And they say, we, should, we can't take the stone away. You know, his body is decaying. It's going to stinketh in the old King James Version. Stinketh, that means his body's maggots has taken control. Okay. Which isn't a very nice picture, but that's what was happening, unfolding. But I love what Jesus done in verse 41 of John 11. And just listen to this. Jesus lifts up his eyes and says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And then he says something else. He refocuses. He says, take this stone away, and he calls Lazarus out. So many times when we face the struggle and the panic and the heartache of life, we need to look away from the struggle and the panic and the heartaches. We need to look up, or we need to look away at least, and refocus. And every time you give thanks in your struggle, what, what is happening is you're looking away from the problem. You're refocusing at the problem giver, the problem answer, the person who can solve it. And you're saying, I give you thanks, God, in all, for all manner of things. I do not understand why this has happened. I don't feel comfortable and I don't like it. But God, I give you thanks that all things are still going to work out together for good to those who love God. And Father, I trust you. And as you say thanks, you're trusting him and you're placing the problem fair and square in his arms. And when you do that, I tell you, things start to go. Uh, it mightn't go any better, but at least it's in his hands and you know that you can trust him that it's, that it's as good as sorted somehow. Not necessarily how you want it, but it's good. you can trust him that he'll sort it out somehow. And that's what Jesus was doing. He says, Father, he lifted his eyes and he says, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you hear me. And sometimes we just need to lift our eyes and just say, God, I thank you for all manner of things that have unfolded in my life up to this moment. I truly don't understand why some of the bad happens and some of the cruel things happen. And why was I born in that family with so much dysfunction and that caused so much pain in my heart? I don't understand but you know what, today, don't ask why, ask what, God. And, ask, and God says to you this, he says, what can you do now? You can lift your eyes and say, God, I thank you. Because as I draw near to you, all things can be sorted out so that my heart cannot live in the pain of unforgiveness or bitterness, but live in the, in the joy, in the peace of, of knowing there is a hope and a future for me. And that is what our, the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and bring health and blessing in your soul. And if you agree with that, would you just give us an amen? this morning because that is the truth that is the truth we don't have to live with the pain in here when we can have the joy of what he wants to add to our lives so can we stand this morning